0: Welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in 2 John chapter 1. It reads, The Elder to the Elect Lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us, and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us, from God the Father, and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as you were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward." Everyone who goes on ahead and who does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so that our joy may be complete." The children of your elect sister greet you. As we jump in here to 2 John chapter 1, it is the entirety of this letter. And so as we look at it, we have less than 300 words here to describe what John is talking about. So this writing would have fit on a single piece of papyri and would have been a personal letter that is sent out. For that reason, most people think that this is written to a specific woman who is a believer and her actual biological children, as we see mentioned in verse 1. I will say that there are also some people who believe that this is a way of writing about a church and saying that the elect lady is the church and the children are her offspring. And so we think about those different things in that context will provide an opportunity for us to see how, if you view it as to the church, it's a call to the church generically to be focused on these items. If you view it to this individual person, it's for this person in the specific location that they have. Either way, as we look at this passage the teaching that is here is not going to be altered very much by the interpretation of what you take for that. Because the focus here is about walking in the truth that we've had from the beginning. As you look here at 2 John chapter 1, you're going to see some big similarities between 2 John 1 and what we looked at in 1 John. It focuses on the practical way that we live our love out, the way in which the love that we receive is an overflow of God's love, impacts the way that we love others around us. We see that specifically in verse 5 and verse 6. We live out our love in verse 6 by obeying the commandments of God. And we see that when we obey the commandments of God, that allows us to walk in the unity of fellowship. But 2 John really focuses on the fact that the unity of fellowship should not be The sole focus of the individual, because there are times where we need to depart from individuals who are teaching or living out false things. And the importance of that is for the integrity of the church. And so today's nugget of truth, we're going to focus in on that aspect of what 2 John is focusing on. When we think about the unity of the church, the unity of the church is something that's really important. It's important for us to understand what our purpose is, to understand what God is calling us to do, to understand how we're supposed to live our lives in light of the world around us. And so if people on the outside look at the church and say, hey, the church can't even agree on things. The church doesn't even know what to do. They're arguing amidst themselves. They're sitting there in disunity. That's going to be a poor testimony of the believers to the watching world. But if the church is sitting in a situation where they say, you know what, we're just going to agree with everything that everybody else says, we're not going to stand for anything, we're always going to be constantly changing our beliefs to fit what people are asking, then truly it undermines the authority of the church and it really undermines its foundation and what it stands for. And so this passage focuses on the fact that there are many people who are out in the world who are confessing that they are believers and professing that they're believers, but their lives are displaying that they're not. They're deceiving others by the way in which they live. And so that's important to think about the fact that there are many people that are able to do this. And that's significant because if it was not many people they wouldn't have written about it and if it wasn't actually dangerous they wouldn't have written about it but because there are many people doing this and the presence of those people and the ability of those people to deceive others the warning is present because they must be able to protect the integrity and the purity of the church If not, it will undermine what the church means. This is especially important to the church as it is just really being founded and growing and in its infancy stage at the time that John is writing. If they allow these things to go unchecked, it will continue to proliferate throughout the early church and would have provided a great obstacle to the growth of the gospel in the areas in which it was trying to grow into and to the strengthening of the church in the places where it was already present. So we need to understand that verse 10 shows us that there is a separation that is needed between these individuals who are teaching false things and those who are trying to hold to the tenets of the gospel. So as you give the warnings, as you talk about these things, as you've carefully discerned what they're saying, if they are not going to repent and refocus on what the truth is, there's a reason and a need to separate from those individuals for the sake of the church. The unity of the church cannot be the most important thing. The first Priority has to be the purity and the integrity of the church. That's what 2 John is really focused on. And so for us today, we must not be tempted to focus on appeasing the individuals that are coming into our midst, talking about what they want us to believe, the way in which their life is directed, the desires that they have. We must always take these back to the foundation of the gospel, the teachings of the scriptures, and what we know to be true. When we view life through that lens, we're able to readily apply whatever it is that we have seen from the scriptures to the situation to allow us to make the best possible decision. And in this, there's time for us to lean on the leaders who are present. That's what's happening in this letter is a leader is speaking into the reality of a specific situation. The importance of that is is displayed in the way in which the leaders have authority and have the discernment and have the wisdom and have the ability to provide for the decisions to be made by the people in their midst. And so it gives us a pattern to follow when we might not feel that we're capable of making that decision. But the call is for us to build ourselves to that point where we understand the totality of the gospel, where we understand the teachings of the scripture. And when we are independently able to apply those to our lives, That's when we're growing in our faith and are being used most mightily by God wherever he's placed us. As far as a question from this very short book, in addition to the one that we have already looked at about the elect lady and her children, is the question of why are there no names mentioned here in 2 John? Why is it that he doesn't describe himself and why is it that he doesn't describe his specific recipients of this? If those things were in place, it would possibly provide even more clarity for the discussion of the question we've already mentioned. But an important thing for us to remember is, at this point in time, there is great persecution within the empire. And as the Roman Empire has that presence, the scriptures are reflecting that type of a situation by the way in which letters such as this one display their writing changes to reflect a sign of the time. Both John and the recipient are well-known individuals. We see that with the types of words that are used here. And so in that situation where the recipient is well-known and the individual who is writing is well-known as well, they don't necessarily have to provide those names for them to know that. It's also important to understand that when I hand a letter to somebody, if I hand them that letter and I've signed your friend or something similar, they would know who gave it to them. They would know the recipient, and they would understand. The path that that took. Or if I hand it to one of my daughters and they go and do that for them and we say from our family or from the whites or whatever we want to say, people would understand who it was intended from based upon the delivery method and the recipients. They have a relationship with these people and they know who's writing to them. So the specifics of signing them are not so much for the original audience as they are for the others who are looking back into that situation. And so that's something for us to understand as we look at this, and a question that some people might say and have used to even argue against that John actually wrote this is like, hey, John told us who it was in the other letter. Why did he not tell us that here? We also see in the book of John that he doesn't really refer to himself there. He calls him the disciple whom Jesus loved. So we see that he has different ways of referring to himself. We see that it's an important thing for us to understand and study into the scriptures to determine that meaning from that. And so here, as we do that, we see the way in which the persecution has arisen in the empire, causing them to change the way in which they're writing and speaking to each other for their own protection. And we see that reflected here in 2 John chapter 1. So as you look at this scripture, as you look at this brief letter, hopefully there is something that the Spirit is asking you to curiously look into. Maybe it's a further dive into the unity of the church and the different elements that we spoke of there. Maybe it's something else. Whatever it is that God has placed on your heart, I pray that you look into that today, that you study God's Word curiously, and that you grow in your love for Him each day. No, you are loved. Yeah.